Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today the life and times of the British rock band Queen and its lead singer, Freddie Mercury, played Oscar level by Remy Malik. It's called Bohemian Rhapsody. Plus, a recent trip to Napa has us both thinking about some really good wine and some great conversations. We call it On the Road in Wine Country. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. I loved this film and found myself dancing in my seat throughout the show. So we'll take inspiration from the title, telling the story of a winemaker who loved Queen as much as I do now. Cliff Lede and his vineyard filled with rock blocks, including Bohemian Rhapsody. But first, Gary, let's talk about this film. Okay, let's do the good and the bad, because there's some there's some bad yeah. elements, and I want to get to them afterwards, because we love this film. I had so much fun. This is a better film than all of the reviews that I read. Yeah. And I read a bunch of them before, and I thought, well, what's kind of wrong with this film? And then seeing the film, I, I and I'm just going to go right to the end. The last 20 minutes of this film is standing ovation stuff it's just great it's directed by brian singer who did x-men and the usual suspects a great film which is great yeah um also it's 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 remy malik who was in twilight part two and for the life of me i don't don't remember remember. which one (laughs) he he was probably but he goes all the way back to that steven spielberg um um tom hanks produced series the pacific pacific which was great you know as a veteran and he won the Emmy, of course, for Mr. Robot, which is great stuff. Lucy Boynton's the girl. She plays Mary Austin, the female love interest in this film. Uh, she was in Murder on the Orient Express. It opened at over $50 million in America. And he died. Freddie Mercury died in 1991 at the age of 45, of course, from complications from the AIDS virus. But I go back and look at this film, and I... So here's my story on Queen. I knew who Queen was. I know those some of those songs. I know all of them now. Well, I was surprised at like, oh, hey, that's a Queen song. That's oh, yeah. a Queen song because yeah. there are a lot of it's a lot of music that that you know you just may not have. At least right. I may not have equated them to the band. I think I knew the cliff notes of Queen of Queen and yeah. Freddie Mercury. I didn't really. I didn't know anything. Yeah, about I've never bought a Queen album. Mm-hmm. You know, I've listened to the music stuff, and I know. Of course, it's hard to go to any sporting event without hearing We Will, We Will Rock You. Yeah. Uh, but the genesis of that song and how it how it came about and the writing of that song is really ab- absolutely fabulous in this movie. The, the, how they came up with Bohemian Rhapsody and really the whole purpose behind it, I also find very, very interesting. And and that they, they were. They were out to make a rock opera, which I right. wasn't really done at that time. Not and at all. everybody fought them on it. Including his manager, exactly. including the head of the record the label. label. Yeah. Who's played really, really well by Mike, <laughs> Mike Myers. Myers and not the killer Mike not Myers the, in Halloween. Yeah. That's Michael Myers. The, but the really actor Mike Myers. Who's great. Schwing. You know, I love Mike Myers. We don't see him, you know, he's 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 not dropped out, but he's not making, you know, the comedies that he made yeah. all the time. Yeah. And he's in this heavy makeup, and you can watch him for about five minutes till you realize that's Mike Myers. Yeah. And it's it's just so good. Um this was a band of a bunch of guys in England. And they they lost their lead singer, and there was a kid in the audience, Freddie Mercury, who's as as, as who's the polar opposite of anybody in that band. Uh-huh. They were kind of like nerdy, they're kind of dorks, nerdy yeah. dorky <laughs> rock and roll guys. And he's flamboyant uh-huh. and out there, and has a stunning voice. Yeah, and kind of sings in a parking lot and auditions for him. They go well, and so he joins this band, and of course he's got this huge ego, and the rest of them do not really. And they're a band, and he's a solo performer in a band, 
and keeps calling it his band, and it's a crazy conflict. Well, but they conflict. also, I mean, they, I think that they, but they all contribute equally. It's not equally, like there's, yes. there's one guy that's writing all the music. Like each one of the, there was a lot of contention of whose music actually right. makes the album and who's the, you know, what's the single that's going to be released. But I think that that's probably how every single band works. Right. I mean, I, I, you can't, how many songs, I mean, you think of the Beatles and that was every single person in that band wrote something. Right. And so I think that that's probably just kind of normal. I think what I'm saying is that Freddie liked to take a lot of credit for everything. Yeah. Because he was that kind of, he was a really huge personality yeah. and he's really, really talented. He's also, and it comes out in the film, very, uh, he, in his words, bisexual and gay. I think he was also just trying to figure that out. I, I think, think he's he, trying to figure that out. Yeah. But he had, you know, had this girlfriend. He was engaged for a long time. And this girlfriend who, who, you know, one of the knocks on the film is, uh, you need to catch on to this. But, but it, you know, it's a different time in a different area, and their relationship was really unique. And, and he really needed her. He was kind of a parent to her in many ways. And I think she was to him. <laughs> and I, yeah, and very much so. Yeah. And and their relationship's really interesting in the film. Then you start seeing guys kind of come in and his attraction to men and being able to admit that. And being able, and, and his whole family situation is also really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. But you know, he tra- he tragically died, and there's this just great sequence. And I don't think I'm giving anything away because it it's goes a true it, story. It, it, it's, it's true story adapted goes, from a true story. Sure, but, but but you know, the Live Aid concert, Queen live at Live Aid was a monumental thing, and all these huge bands were also at Live Aid, and they all got about 20 minutes, and I'm sure they all took about 40. Yeah. And they recreate that entire concert at Wembley Stadium, yeah. and I'm we, we're still trying to figure out technically how they shot yeah. that and made that um, because it looks like there's hundred thousand people in a stadium, and he performs all these songs, and the band does, yeah, and they're great. Yeah, I actually went back and watched the uh, the original. Yeah, I haven't other, done that the yet. The other day on that. YouTube, and and it's it's great. It's freaking awesome. It is. It's it? fantastic, and and does you know the how well they recreated it is also because it's it's pretty spot at least from a novice's kind mm-hmm. of point of view it's pretty spot on. I'm sure that you know some music man out there will say, oh no, they didn't do this or that or whatever, right? But for somebody just kind of enjoying a film and and then going back and watching what it portrayed, I thought it was great. And I, I love the way it's shot. Um, because they they don't hide it like a bad sports film. You know, if you're in a golf movie and you can't play golf, they show you doing a tight shot of hitting the ball, yeah. and they cut away to the thing going in, the ball going yeah. into the cup. They, they a lot of this is wide, yeah. and he's he's out there on he's this yeah. stage singing, and he's great. I think Remy Malek gets an Oscar nomination for this. I think he's I think he's a real contender for best actor of the year. Wow. You know, we we talked about Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born, another musical movie. I think this is as good or I'm not sure the film is better than A Star is Born. I don't think the film as a whole is but better. But this performance is stunning. Yeah. And everybody in it's really good in it. And it's really a respectful film about the band. Yeah. So uh, originally, Sasha Baron Cohen, Borat, was supposed to play Freddie Mercury. And it all fell apart. I'm same really di- glad he didn't. Same director. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I know. I, I know. But I just think that's because Remy Malek was so was so just spot on. He immersed himself so much as this character that I found it completely believable. Well, the ug- ugly side of this, when all that fell, fell apart and then Remy Malek actually signed on in November 2016, they started shooting in London in 2017 with Brian Singer as director. And Brian Singer has been... In the, on the bad end of this Me Too movement. 
You know, he's been accused yeah. of all kinds of bad behavior and, and everything you can think of, and he's kind of laid low. But the studios gave him this film anyway, and so that was a big controversy. And then he was he's this difficult... Him and Remy Malek fought the entire time, and they fired him two weeks to go oh. on this film. And so another director came and finished the last two weeks. Uh, and because of, I, I think, union rules, they have, you know, Brian Singer's the, the director of record, and so they right. had to do that. But it was just tumultuous. They were just trying to get it through. The, I think the actors probably tried to save this film, and yeah. there was all kinds of messy, and it's well documented. You can Google it and read about it, but it's... Variety Variety magazine has a lot about just the misbehavings of Brian Singer, the director, and despite all of that, um, it's a really good film, and it's better than I thought it would be. And I'm I would watch this film again. Yeah, I would too. And by the way, when we get our new flat screen TV, <laughs> which we're talking about, super high def, 4K, we're gonna watch this. <laughs> I look forward to that. The, and we're gonna hook up the Dolby system, and it's gonna sound great. <laughs> So there's a dark side to this film, and I wanted to talk about the film because, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to separate the art from the artist, and I, I'm fine if you can't. Uh, I I don't I, I don't have that much trouble doing that. I'm not a huge fan of Brian Singer. I think it's the best film he's ever made. Yeah. Other the Usual I Suspects usual is a great film. Great. It's a great yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah. But I but all these big films, according to, I'm not a huge X Men fan. You know, they're they're good, but they're but Brian Singer has always kind of troubled me and all that, and so. But this film is really good, and so I, I think it's worth honoring and worth seeing because of Rami Malek, mm-hmm. who fought and fought and fought and, and I, saw it to the end. You know, it makes me, I just remember Dirk Nowitzki standing on the balcony of American Airlines Center. The Center for the Dallas Mavs. Singing We Are the Champions after the Mavericks won Off their, key. their championship in downtown accent. Dallas. And I was there. I was, <laughs> was on the so square. Because my office used to be there. <laughs> and, you know, so so I will I will raise a glass to Queen for creating that song so Dirk can sing Thanks, it. Thanks, Dirk. <laughs> Very cool. So I thought it would be fun. There is actually a, a Bohemian Rhapsody wine out there. So if you wanted to just be completely like drink the wine with the film it is out there it's not something i'm necessarily going to recommend but what i will recommend is and we've talked about the winery before i talked about him before that's one of our faves um is a is the vineyard site of cliff letty in uh, napa valley in the stag's leap district um founded in 2002 cliff letty is a canadian developer came to Napa really with this goal to create something extraordinary. And I think that he did when he purchased this gorgeous property, um, hired friend, renowned viticulturist, David Abreu to replant and farm his vineyards. And as most vineyards traditionally go, you, you have various vineyard blocks and, you know, they could be A, B, C, D, they could be one, two, three, four, just so you can say, you know, the crew needs to go out and work row three of of lot A or whatever it is. But Letty being a massive music fan, instead has named all of his different vineyard blocks after either artists or songs. And the Bohemian Rhapsody block is actually right next to the winery in Stagsley. Um, if my if my geography is correct, I think it's right next to Dark Side of the Moon, <laughs> right next to um, the actual kind of tasting room area. And it's that Valley Floor, Stagsleep, Stagsleep, you know, kind of vineyard. So it's going to create this very 
bold, very dark fruit, rich, juicy, intense um, kind of wine that in, I want to say it was 2006, he um, actually created a a blend. A He does these kind of rock block blends yes. that um, will kind of take a mashup of fruit from X lot with Y lot, like like uh, moon dance mixed with, uh, you know, tiny dancer and moon, and moon dance and and or yeah, you know that yeah. dark side of the moon or something like that. So he'll call it you know like moon side or something. He so these kind of funny yeah. mashups of of blocks mixed together to create his rock block wines in 2006 for Premier Napa Valley. He created a a rock block blend of Bohemian Rhapsody and Sympathy for the Devil. So it was the Bohemian Devil rock block blend. And that year, I want to say it was a 2008 premiere Napa Valley, which is this fantastic kind of trade event where um, various uh, buyers go in and purchase barrels to then sell um, to their customers, whether it be a restaurateur or a store, and it all raises money for the people of Napa Valley and their families and that sort of thing. It's a really, really great event. So the 2008 um, event, that particular blend, I want to say raised $38,000 for basically that barrel of fruit, which is fantastic. And um, the blend is actually kind of that... that, you have Stag's Leap Valley Floor as well as the simply Sympathy for the Devil Fruit is right, kind of right below Poetry End. So that kind of yeah. going into the the kind of mountain fruit, um, hillside fruit of of, uh, of Stag's Leap. If I remember correctly, inside their tasting room is a bunch of rock and roll memorabilia. They have this really great, if, if like you ever want to go and, and visit... Um, the winery, they have kind of a backstage area that you can go and do this kind of very special tasting where um, they always have really fantastic art exhibits, whether it be a music oriented Mm -hmm. or just kind of up and coming, very contemporary artists and, and really great music's always playing. And you can kind of go and have this very kind of private, very exclusive, but really, really cool experience. And he does, he's got a ton of memorabilia. He does. It's cool. So Cliff Letty for those of you who don't know, it's spelled L E D E. Yes. First name's Cliff, yes, and then L E D E because yeah. I, I mispronounced it. Well, and every time we drove by, and they're they're it. really Lede, yes, Lady, <laughs> they're really great, and they do a lot. He also has a songbook. He has poetry is kind of his high end um, Napa Valley blend, uh, Cabernet based Bordeaux kind of blend. Um, songbook is kind of within that same uh, uh, spectrum of just really premium, premium. Gorgeous fruit. He also does a Tokolon Vineyard Cabernet that yeah. is just f- over the moon. Cliff Letter stuff. for Tokolon. Yeah. Um, really gorgeous, gorgeous wines and lovely people. And I love it that their GM is named Remy Cohen. So Remy Malik and Remy Cohen. Could I bet be friends? Wow, what a pairing. <laughs> I think that's the perfect pairing. When we come back on Kogel Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. Uh, a recent trip to Napa has us both smiling and talking very fondly about some of the best wine I think I've ever tasted, along with some of the best conversations we've ever had with winemakers. On the road in wine country, and we will be right back. 
The holidays are just around the corner, and if you haven't tried Wine Access yet, now is the perfect time. Sharing great wine makes the holidays a whole lot better. And Wine Access makes it so easy to drink the best. So Gary, you remember a few weeks ago, I shared a little bit about their white wine set, and today I discovered their Lux Holiday Secret Set. Ooh, secret. So it's six bottles of wine. You don't know exactly what they are, but we know they come from their premium selections, $175. You get both red and white wines, seller worthy as well as ready to drink wines. Perfect for holiday entertaining. Now, Wine Access's philosophy is that there are wineries offering higher quality wines at better prices than you'll find in most stores. This is what they do. And over the past decade, their team of experts have tasted over 20,000 different bottles from the smallest vineyard to the most iconic winemakers and only select the very best for you. Absolutely. And Wine Access shares their full story with us, where the wine comes from, what makes it so special, what's the passion behind each and every bottle. And they deliver the wine right to your doorsteps. It's so simple. So we want you to enjoy these fantastic wines for the holiday. So we've arranged this exclusive limited time offer with Wine Access. You're going to get 20% off all of these wonderful wines that already are at a great value. The only way to get this offer is by going to our special URL now. It's wineaccess.com. For full details, go now to wineaccess.com slash Cogill. That's C-O-G-I-L-L. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. As Gary mentioned, we did just have a rather remarkable experience in Napa. I'm not sure if I'll call it a road trip. Road trip. But it was very, very special. Yes, it was. And my goal in going on the trip was really to try to understand some of Napa's new wineries. Are they looking into the future? Are they focusing their efforts on millennials? Are they focusing on the brand more than maybe what's inside the bottle? Or do today's new wines, as I'll call them, still embrace the history of the valley? Are they learning from those who came before them? destined to make their mentors proud. And I will say wholeheartedly, I was really, really surprised to find that that history is being honored. And some of the most talked about wineries today are embracing the way things in Napa used to be done, allowing subtlety and refinement to shine through a world of overextracted high alcohol wines. But I also think to go to the future, you must think a little bit about the past. So we had several rather extraordinary experiences, as, extraordinary. Gary, as Gary kind of mentioned. Yes. Um, and so kind of thought it would be fun to just detail a little bit about two of them. One of them was uh, probably one of my – one of the most memorable interviews I think I've ever had um, in my time of, of being in this career – and it was a visit in the home of uh, the completely incomparable, graceful, incredibly gracious Robin Lale of Lale Vineyards. And a pretty epic experience at Promontory, which is owned by the Harlan family, um, run by Bill Harlan's son, Will. So I, I think you want to let's let's kind of talk a little bit about our experience at Lale first. Let, well, let's talk about Robin Lale. So we drive up in our rental car. <laughs> And we have some friends with us, and we pull up, and we're actually tasting in our home. Yes. That's really rare. It's up on Howl Mountain. And this is the, one of the great things about me married to Haley is, is uh, I find myself with her in these extraordinary situations. And we've been to quite a few winemakers' homes, and they're always beautiful. I mean, in Napa, anytime you go to a winemakers' home in Napa, they're thought through, and, and she's there greeting us. Mm-hmm. And you can see the light going through the house. Mm-hmm. 
and you go into the back and it's a huge deck looking out on the vineyard. Oh, Howell Mountain Vineyard, absolutely. And it's just like, and it's an old, it's an old restored home yeah. with lots of wood. And everywhere I looked was this interesting art hanging yeah. on the walls. And she's there with a class of, you know. Her Blueprint Sauvignon Blanc. Blueprint Sauvignon yeah. Blanc that's just beautiful. And it's her because she's legendary. Yeah. And to watch you with her, I mean, I think she got teary-eyed with you half a dozen times, and you got teary-eyed with her, and we got to all be a part of this really remarkable two hours in a home with yeah. an amazing winemaker, drinking some of the best oh, wines I've ever had, but also that conversation that you had with how she does what she does, and the questions that you ask her were just so good and so interesting, and and she's not, she hasn't, she hasn't got an out of ounce of fakeness in her yeah yeah she's you know, one she of the most calls genuine, it like it yeah, is absolutely she's she's a firecracker yeah, she in is. many ways yes yeah, she is and she's hilarious she is and and i think you know just a little bit of background on on robin and and her history and why i think i um am so just honored to to have any opportunity to to visit with her and taste with her um family uh she is the great grand niece of um, of Gustav Niebaum that started Inglenook in wow. um, Napa Valley in the 1800s. Uh, pretty the one of the oldest families. She is now the fourth generation family in uh, Napa and, and one of the very few. That's rare. Uh, and and really this this lineage. Her father John Daniel Jr. Uh, inherited the winery from his great uncle Gustav Niebaum um, and ran the property from 1939 to 1965. Uh, there's a lot of history in what John Daniel Jr. did with Inglenook. Um, he inherited a very, very successful business. Um, he was very, very determined to only produce the very, very best wines, which often meant. A lot of wine was dumped. He just simply refused to to bottle it, and it was being bottled also by then. And it was um, the Inglenook Winery was one of the first to put um, appellations and such on the actual labels, wow. which was very new for for Napa Valley. Um, kind of to figure out the proper closure, all these different things. The the winery was some of they they did some of the first. For the valley, um, also withstood prohibition, which you know that great thing that Americans did themselves that ruined the wine industry, which I still am trying to understand. Um, he he was a remarkable man, and um, when he passed away, Robin inherited her inheritance was her her totem vineyard and her Napa Nook vineyard, both in um, Yountville and Rutherford. I believe that um, Napa Nooks and Rutherford are st- kind of straddling Yountville. Um, and this, she became kind of the, the, began to care for these vineyards and the way she talks about her father, it's just with the adoration of any true daddy's girl that I Mm. just, so, you know, I, I love good daddies. It's how I've always, you know, you're such a great dad, Gary, with your girls. And I just respect good daddies that take care of their daughters. And, and so that's was very, very heartwarming. Um, she went on to, she was co-founder of Dominus in 1982. Oh, that's big one. Stellar. Stellar one. Um, co-founded Maryvale with Bill Harlan in nice. 1983. And then in 1995, she and her two daughters 
launched Lale. So in kind of the grand scheme of, of Napa Valley wineries, Lale Vineyards is still kind of one of those new wineries. It's not mm. that old, but she has just, she has more, she has more character and, and history and her pinky, than, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all of these new, all of these new, uh, so many of these new winemakers that are kind of coming to the Valley as, you know, this is their third careers and they just basically want to kind of make some kind of showy wines right. and, and everything that she does, does is, is to honor both her history as well as I think the history of Napa, yeah. her, her Georgia Sauvignon Blanc, which we actually had a chance to taste at the end of our tasting, which is rather unheard of in most wine tastings that you would you would it's the first time i've ever had it right to have right we've had her we've sauvignon had the blanc. georgia georgia sauvignon block right. many times with our friend don winspear because he's right. a very big fan um we've had this but it's usually you know you think you drink a white wine as an opening wine or as right. with your with your first course or second course and then you move on to your red wines we drank that georgia and it was actually a 2012 Henry V, which was, um, I talked about Premier Napa Valley. It was her Premier Napa Valley wine that she made for 2012. Henry V named after her grandson. Um, and But the still kind of the best barrel from that Georgia. So it's Georgia, and then it's Georgia Ge- Henry V. Yes. Um, and that's just a barrel out of, of that. Of or that a, yeah. Yes, of that particular. So the Georgia is the best Sauvignon Blanc in the world I've ever had, It's I think, And, and it me. was when it was created, um, her winemaker, Philippe Melka, who we also yeah. adore, um, it was very, very unheard of to, you know, it's a hundred percent barrel fermented Sauvignon Blanc. It is this premium, premium fruit from her Yontville vineyard. It is meticulously cared for. It is, you know, every, everything that goes into creating this wine when it began, nobody was doing this in Napa. Now there are many wineries that are trying to copy it, but I don't think there, there is nothing that compares to right. this particular wine. And it's, and it's, it's over $100 a bottle. It's $150, yeah. Yeah, for a Sauvignon Blanc. For a Sauvignon Blanc. And it's worth every, every penny. Every single sip, absolutely. But then you go to this special block. And, and then, well, the beauty this. of this is that we tasted this wine after her current release, as well as a library wine of her John Daniel... Um, Cuvée, which right. is kind of the wine that honors her father. Right. And every single sip tells the story of her father. Like you can you can taste the history of mm-hmm. of what this family has gone through through the years in that wine. But then to drink a white wine after this very big, very bold, very, you know, earthy that's structured and finessed and wines that are able to be enjoyed upon release as well as several years later to have a white wine after that was just, it's, it's, that's the kind of thing that makes you say, okay, there are truly, truly special wines. Which is now the greatest white wine I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. At the end. It was just so special. Oh my gosh. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we're we're all in accord that that, that it, uh, it, gorgeous that's gorgeous a top lines. five experience. It's, it was and and like I said, just yeah. I I'm I am I I I sometimes find myself in and yeah. rather rather remarkable. So we took we took two friends, uh, uh, Drew and Aaron, and they stopped at the end of it and they got teary eyed and just said to her, "You're the most extraordinary yeah. person." Yeah. 
And we all got... I mean, I'm we teary-eyed were all, right now. We probably all stood in a circle and sang Kumbaya. I, I think and we I didn't, did. I'm not, I'm not remembering it, but <laughs> um, it was Lales, an awesome wine experience they were, And they Lales. are. And they're yeah. and the Lale wines, um, if you are, uh, you know, you can find them through Allocation, through her L-A-I-L. website. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll have more on our blog, of course, about, about yeah. the wines. Uh, there's a lovely article about that particular Sauvignon Blanc in D Magazine uh, last week. So, you know, we'd love to for you guys to learn a little bit more about that. But then we also had a kind of crazy and this also just never you never know how you're how how one random meeting will where it will take you because uh, last year and I was working at Tell Me Bahama, I had a chance to uh, meet Will Harlan very randomly at Tommy's because uh, he was with a group of guys that were actually original investors in Tommy's. And I'm like, oh, hi, yeah, I write about wine. And and so he's like, oh, okay, well, I started this project with my dad. What's you your know? name? Harlan. So, yeah, come in. <laughs> then I got very excited. I'm like, oh, well, here's my card, please. And so we kind of connected. Finally, had a chance to to go and visit. The wait, wait, is it was that when I saw you and then I didn't see you for two days? <laughs> I'm just kidding, totally kidding. It's a bad marital bad, joke. Yes, that was a bad. Horrible joke. marital joke. Um, so uh, we had a chance to visit Promontory uh, over this past weekend oh, as well. Oh my god! Um, and you know the name Harlan. It's not a new name in Napa Valley. Uh, Harlan really kind of can be credited with creating must many of the kind of destinations that we think about up for Napa Valley over the last mm-hmm. 30 years. Um, he developed probably my favorite resort property in the world outside of Cava's wine lodge in Argentina. And that is Meadowood. Any yeah. chance I have a chance to stay at Meadowood, I am, or eat at the restaurant at Meadowood, which I'm just in yeah. awe of. I it's without any question. If I have a chance to go to Napa Valley, if I can stay at Meadowood, I am, Right. All in. It's that good. All yeah. in. Yeah. Um, he started his Harlan Winery. He has Bond. He um, His latest project, as I mentioned, is Promontory. And they created this... Promontory. Promontory. They created this tasting room in um, Oakville. And you kind of look out in this very serene, very quiet, very elegant... Everything about this experience, it like exudes relaxation. Every drip of water was there for a reason. reason. Every tree was situated because you can see this on this side or this on this side. Every leaf that would rustle in the wind. And we drive up our car and there's a woman, I think her name's Molly. Molly, yes. Who is now, I'm like Molly's favorite, I'm Molly's biggest fan. Yes. uh, Standing there. Waiting for yes, us with the because it's open. by appointment only. Yes, and it's not, like you, and it's not yeah. an inexpensive tasting. It's a two hundred dollar tasting if you decide to just to, go to in taste their wine and visit. Wine. Yes, um, but but worth every single penny right. because it is all about. And I'm intentionally slowing my pace because every single piece of this is meant to be very very opulent. And exquisite, and elegant, and relaxing, and thoughtful. And every you're right. Every single minute is completely thought through. Because we've been to some really high end, and I'll call some of them very pretentious wineries. Yes. You know, where the doors open for you magically, and all this, yeah. and oh, and the wines are three to four, five hundred dollars a bottle, and they're pouring for you, and you're talking. 
and and you see right through that person. And Molly was yes. just the opposite. Okay. I think I think uh, uh, I think that's the most knowledgeable person that didn't make the wine right in a in a tasting room right that I've ever encountered. And so to hear the two of you. Do the high and level geek talk was really fun for me. Well, and I loved uh, just the experience because you can't actually get to their vineyards. Their vineyards actually sit um, kind of in the foothills of Mount Veeder, the Promontory Vineyards, um, behind Bill Harlan's Harlan Estate Vineyards in Oakville. Um, So kind of hillside fruit, uh, but also with some some it's varying elevations, Um, and it's kind of land that. That Bill Harlan had had been watching since the '80s. It kind of had never come up for sale. He used to hike back there and kind of fell in love with this piece of land. But it's rugged, and it's you know very hard to to get to. Mm-hmm. It's steep, steep slopes. It's kind of everything that you don't um, that makes being a vintner very difficult. But I think that was kind of part of the fun challenge yeah. of it. And and then kind of to to when he was able to purchase this land to create something that was very very much its own thing like it is intentionally not Harlan I think it's much more restrained than Harlan I think it's much more pulled back I think you get much more of the earthiness and the the density of of great Cabernet Sauvignon without maybe some of the lush opulence of mm-hmm. and that I think a lot of Harlan wines are a little bit maybe more fruit forward a little bit more um, uh, not necessarily early drinking but you just kind of don't have something quite as as held back yeah. um, and I also love that that uh, Bill Bill Harlan's son will is overseeing this property as well as their winemaker is in this kind of land of of new Napa, but still kind of with old world yeah, character. Very much. Um, so. But their winemaker Corey Emting, I think he's like thirty six, thirty seven, so a very wow. kind of young winemaker in the grand scheme of things, uh, creating this really, really, very, very high end wine. And I say that, but it's still, you know, this was kind of uh, another idea for this was that it would be more of like the entry level kind of wine for for Harlan. I'm going to no. say that, and it's still like I want to say a five hundred, four hundred fifty, five hundred dollar bottle of wine. Yeah. Um, but it's something that's that's maybe um, a little bit more accessible in that grand scheme. And I think it was also the hope, and especially in creating this whole taste room, because you can't taste at Harlan. There is no right. tasting experience that you can have. It's you're either on a list or you're not. Right. And and then if you find it and you're not on a list, it's well over a thousand dollars. Yes, absolutely. A bottle easily. Yes, for yes. Harlan wine. And um. And that's without age. Well, and this, I again, kind of just the whole experience was just so calming. And maybe the so fact that we, we did start with, you know, several glasses of, of Dom Perignon so, dinner. So when dinner. Molly meets you, before you walk in, usually they'll have a glass of water or it's their entry-level white. Right. She has a bottle of Dom Perignon. Yes. And it's because they don't make, they don't make white wine. They don't so make white wine. So what, she's... What are you going to drink? You have to, you know, you're... You're, you're drinking Dom Perignon, then you're going up from there. Yeah. That's how good... That's how good it was. That was amazing. Yes. And I'm just, you know, I, I know we're, I, get, we, I get spoiled rotten being with you and doing these things, but that was the most thoughtful, beautiful, wonderful... It was really special. I'm going to say the Promontory Wine for me 
it's one of the probably five best red wines I've ever had in my life. It was really. Yeah, that's and, how good it was. And I think that you know they, they do say that a lot, a lot of wine when you buy in wineries, it's because of great experiences. And if if we had the need, we would have definitely been purchasing because yeah. it was a a very very special yeah. experience. That's and amazing. So their wine available via allocation through the winery as well, and and you know kind of something I'll have a little bit more about. Um, this winery as well as another experience we had at Realm Cellars and I've got a post uh, for D Magazine coming yeah. up in the next week. Lale and Promontory. Yes, both really, really Wow. One ex- hey, thanks for letting me go along. Good weekend to be in Road Napa. trip through Napa. <laughs> next time on Kogel Wine and Film, more great films either in theaters or on demand along with wines and pairings that we always think are just Worthy of celebration. For more on the film we discussed today, please follow our blog on Cogill Consulting or through Facebook. And as I said, I'll have a post up on D Magazine, D Side Dish, about our adventures in Napa soon. But for now, be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Aloha.